Anyone home? Are you here already? I thought you were back till this afternoon. Oh, I can go away if you want. No, I mean, your dad's going to be disappointed. He wanted to be here, but he's out on a job. How are you feeling, love? Oh, good. Just glad to be home. Show him his fan mail, man. Oh, yeah, your manager came yesterday. Look. And drop this over. Till they get well soon, cards people have sent you. Where? Bob was here. Oh, yeah, Bob Dover, Bob Dover. He's coming back later and all. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catcher podcast that needs to remind everyone that Imran didn't die in a car crash. Homeless Stu has served his time and that blonde kid, I think it was Jake, probably. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and this week I held a book that was older than my country. Wow. Yeah. In German. Oh. What was the book? It was it was a book of uh of of sermons from a Lutheran pastor who was also a hymnist and a contemporary of Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh not again. <laughs> I think you've used that intro before of holding a book that was older. No, maybe you haven't. I haven't. Maybe you haven't. I told you about it. Maybe that's, that's, that's what, what it is. is. That's what it is. I also you know, I also held a, a collection of lithographs of illustrations by Maurice Sendak, and that made me even more excited. This new job seems to be suiting you down the ground. It is. It is. It is delightful. It's it's nice to be working with books again mm-hmm. in any capacity. Very good. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's also kind of nice to get out of the house occasionally. It's not Who'd bad. It's already up, up, to, a, up to a point. Yeah, if you enjoy if you enjoy where you're going, then it's helpful. Yeah, some of us aren't so lucky. Yeah, I've started my my three week my three days back at work. Yeah, and two days off, and it that does suck donkey balls. The dog hates it. <laughs> yeah, the dog's not going to be happy about that. The dog hates it because on Wednesdays he's all by himself, mm-hmm. and that makes him sad. He hasn't been he hasn't been all by himself in the house for that length of time in years. Right. Because, you know, even when we're away, the big kid comes back to the house to take care of him. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so he claims. He does, because I see evidence of it. Like him leaving me. The little footprints in the flower or something. <laughs> Lug nuts tickets. <laughs> I haven't used yet. So you been otherwise? I'm really, really hot. It's the menopause. I feel, I feel an affinity with Faye I never thought I'd ever feel. It is quite warm in here. Oh, so maybe it's not the menopause. No, it's 80 odd degrees and it's the middle of September. Remember when September used to be like the start of fall? I was so excited. I bought a new sweater. It's going to be like my sweater, this year's sweater, this year's it sweater. And I've worn it once and I had to take it off halfway through the day because it just got too warm. Yeah, it's going to be another warm weekend. I think it's. I think this is the last of the 80 degrees and it's, it's cooling off after that. But here we are, mid-September and it's kind of summer weather out there mm. but that's normal it's fine it's fine it's absolutely fine it's all fine and everything's it, fine and if you're to suggest otherwise you're a communist you are right 
<laughs> how, how confused are you with the whole uh, episode shiftings? I, I, I have no idea. We, we recorded last week. Thinking. Just Monday and Wednesday, thinking that we'll end up doing four episodes right. this week, and there's still only three episodes, and I think there's an episode on Sunday at the moment. Well, guess, guess what? Guess what? You'll find all about that in, in Corey News. Oh, I'm preempting Corey News. Well, why don't you, we, why no, don't we just... No, because I want to know how your week was before we do that. I, I feel like I've been carrying a sinus cold thing for most of the week, so... Yeah. Today's really the first day that I'm feeling a little bit better. Yeah, you got so. too close to the Echo and the Bunny Men. And you <laughs> caught whatever Ian had that made him talk like a weirdo. What was, how was that for you? Because I really enjoyed that, that whole experience of going through Detroit last Friday. And, it was great. I love Detroit. And saying we're on the guest list. It, it never doesn't make me smile thinking about that. Well, you got to say it. Yeah. I didn't get to say it. You got to be in my aura. <laughs> Lucky you. I always get I to be it. in your aura. Yeah, we, and then we, and then we walk in and we feel so fancy, and then our tickets don't scan. I see. I don't tell people that, but then we had to go back out. Say it again. Too late. We're not too late. But it was good that we had to go back out again because then we found a little secret entrance right. that we go through that we we jumped the line. Yeah, which was quite nice. Yeah, and we got to meet Chris. Yes, that one. Yes, Chris, that one. He was lovely. He was lovely. Maybe you shouldn't have hugged him though. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have hugged him. He's uh, went on to Canada and I think is in New York at the moment. Yeah, they're they're just about done with this this tour. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see who he tours with next and yeah. comes to Detroit. I don't think I can go to a concert again and not have tickets from their sound engineer. Right. So if any band that I like, <laughs> I'm going to have to become friends with their sound engineer, <laughs> which sounds like a pretty tall order. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, we we have a child who wants concert tickets for her birthday and she doesn't care what band it is. It's all about experiences right. and I think that's a great thing. It is. It's nice. Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem like, it, it seems like Slim Pickens. They're playing? In November. Slim Pickens in November, I'm there. <laughs> I wish. I love their second album, also called Slim Pickens. Isn't Slim Pickens just one guy? Is it? I don't know. That was kind of a joke that you seem to be taking seriously. Because Slim Pickens is a real Maybe human being. Maybe we should move on. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that steamy Corey news. Maybe it's the fact I'm wearing my witchy woman t-shirt that I'm so hot. No, it's just generally hot in here. Because I'm going to hell because I'm wearing a witchy woman t-shirt. Hmm. I'm wearing my uh, uh, Colorado <laughs> Ally t-shirt. Yes, so or, you're going... Or an Ally, if my name is Ally. Or Callie. Yeah, I think I pull off Ally better than Callie. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> Corey News, you say? If you were confused as to what day of the week it is when you tuned into ITV and found Emmerdale instead, no worries. It is indeed Friday. However, Corey was bumped for a double dose of the Dale. There will also not be an episode on Monday. For obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. However, we do get an extra episode on Sunday. So huzzah! I will still watch everything next Friday. So it's six and two threes for me, but I'm sure there are people out there who are happy about a Friday episode. Or a Sunday episode. It seems to be a a changing landscape for this. Because there was supposed to be an episode tonight, I think, that that they moved to Sunday. Then there's not going to be anything on 
Monday, and then I don't know what it's going to be like for. I don't know if they're going to fit in the the missing episode. Well, the national TV awards were bumped till next month, right. so they've they're filling in that slot with some Corey and some Emberdale, I do believe. Mm. So that might help. And finally, Millie Gibson has taken a little bit of Kelly with her after leaving the show, revealing that she nabbed the black puffa jacket with <gasps> the fur-lined hood so that she would always have a bit of Kelly with her. All right, so that wasn't the ITV puffa puffa jacket. No, that was no, it's the, the black the one that, she wore, that right. the character wore. Yeah, I want an ITV puffa puffa jacket. Well, you should tell ITV that. I feel like I kind of am. <laughs> you think they listen to us? I think somebody in ITV listens to this, surely. Right, that's that's where they got the whole idea for the sequel. <laughs> I just really don't think that's that's a thing. Somebody read your book, and that's Corey News. See, I, so few people read my book that I think I can probably look at the royalty sheet and figure out who every single person was. That's not true. I sold a couple of hundred copies. And, anyway. Anyway. Somebody, somebody on Coronation Street bought your book. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. And now we'll podcast for coffee. So it's Friday night again, as opposed to Saturday morning. So we're not drinking coffee at the moment. No, I'm drinking water. I have a Cherry Coke Zero. Ooh. It's so fancy. Do you know, it's, if it's, I was to go back and speak to 14-year-old Gavin and say, in 35 years' time, fucking hell, in 35 <laughs> years' time, you'll be sitting doing a Coronation Street podcast whilst drinking Cherry Coke Zero. I would mid-Michigan. I would have laughed at myself. You would have said, what's a podcast? Right. And who's a Coronation Street? <laughs> And what am I doing in mid-Michigan? Right. But I'm all about the cherry Coke now. Mm. That's so it's, much better than regular Coke. It's it's good that you got to it before Betty did. Yeah, he, he devours to, it. He tends to clean you out of those mm. after he cleans out his own root beers. Sometimes even before that. Anyway, yeah. no coffees this week. But well. if you want to buy us next week's coffee, if you think any of this is... And I would recommend that you don't. But if you think that any of this is worth more than the time it takes to listen to, you can buy us next week's coffees by going to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street, where five bucks will buy us a couple of coffees from our gas station or... Big B's. Or Big B. Because Big B has oat milk, our gas station does not. It, it does not. And now this... Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about your accidental fiancé. I thought I thought we promised never to talk about him again. Well, it's come up. Oh, no. I thought we buried him already. Well, now he's got an OnlyFans. Oh, no. A corpse has an OnlyFans. It's, it's, hard it's to come ignore. to this. That's right, this was Fizz and Tyrone talking about the kiss that they'd shared with Fizz telling Tyrone to go back home to his accidental fiancé. I was Gavin and your weekend was fucked. 
What happened last weekend, last year to fuck up my weekend? Still had a soccer tournament that lasted all weekend. Oh, God, I remember that. <laughs> so it was a Friday night recording for the first time in, I think, years mm-hmm. this time last year. Thank God for merching band. <laughs> right. We'd put common language officially on hiatus and had a new idea, a hatching to replace it. Yes. I'm thinking about just cancelling the accounts for common language and poetry in the bar because I'm paying I'm paying money for no reason yeah. to both yeah we did have that one lady who messaged us when we were coming out of licorice pizza asking if we were going to start doing common language again I guess the answer to that is no or not currently I can I can yeah, we can always it if we can always reboot it later yeah. if we if we come to it sometimes it's important to know when to let go <laughs> absolutely and let's keep that in mind as we're talking about this week's Coronation Street. No. <laughs> okay then. We had tons to get through, so banter was kept to a minimum. Maybe something that we should have done this week as well. Mm. Kelly gradually comes to terms with her situation and makes a new friend on the inside with a guilty Imran being out of pocket on her psychiatric care. Distraught from last week's verdict, Abby breaks up with Kev and disappears to her cousins, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. back on the muck, in other words. Alina puts in the hard hours to fix her relationship with Hope, which leads to the unearthing of some troubling history. Uh-oh. Craig discovers that doing the right thing late doesn't easily remedy doing the stupid thing quickly, and James is less than impressed to hear that his conscience eventually got the better of him. That was, remember, PC, right, yes. PC racist tinker. Yes. Addy accuses Dev of not caring about his new relationship with Summer. Remember? I, I remember. vaguely remember that. And then within 12 hours, regrets of her mentioning it. Ken returns to badmouth Norris with Rita in the cafe and then isn't phased in the slightest when later the same day, Norris dies. Max with a new head. I is, still blame Ken. Is having problems at school and is making life difficult for newly instated teacher Daniel. Speeddale's financial problems continue and then escalate to such an extent that two old characters and a tarantula are coaxed out of the shadows. Remember the tarantula? I think we called it Chekhov's tarantula, that if you introduce a tarantula in Act (laughs) 1, it has to be crawling up (laughs) someone's back in Act 2. Yeah, and ironically, we have more creepy crawlies this week. And speed dial financial problems. Yes. Jimmy's movements are like clockwork. Who? I don't know. (laughs) Phil's Merck has impeccable service history. That was when he was driving a Mercedes. He was driving an Audi, I think, that... Hope smashed. Tim's mum starts abbreviating things. Our moment of the week was Hope's emotional reaction to Tyrone's anger when she said that she hated Alina. And a boring moment of the week was Daniel explaining Titus Andronicus to Bernie. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Still makes me fall asleep. Yeah. How do you think this is going generally? Enough to carry on? What do you mean? Let's carry on then. Okay. Shall we dive in, my dear? <laughs> yes, please. Let's keep calm and carry on. Our first storyline tonight is our last storyline tonight. So our second storyline is Sheer Heart Attack on last Friday, I think. Was it last? Yes, on last Friday. Uh-huh. Because I thought we were doing four episodes this week, mm-hmm. I kind of kept last Friday's fairly tight so we should zoom through this and we probably but won't. but it wasn't on last friday yeah it was well last friday's episodes 
It was the Friday. It was the episodes that should have been shown last Friday that were shown on Monday. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Let's we make this even Monday. more. Co- yes. Can we just call please, that Monday. Can we Let's just call, call that Monday. Right. Okay. On Monday, there's good news at the hospital. James's heart attack hasn't caused any lasting damage, but he has a genetic condition, and he's going to have to be fitted with a set of jumper cables to make sure that it doesn't happen again. When, when the family know already that they have this genetic condition, when somebody else in the family. You know, Uncle Joe have have passed from a heart attack early in life at some point. Well, I, I don't know. That would mean that everybody knows about all their genetic conditions up front. I don't know if that's the case. Uncle Joe just died young and then nobody cared. Of a heart attack. And nobody cared. Hmm. I guess I'm just weird then. Well, I think we already knew that. <laughs> James wants to know if he can go back to football after that. Yeah, sure. After, says the doctor. Yeah. Who's our long uh, after? Who's our Scottish doctor friend? Our, our, our beloved cardiologist to the stars, whose name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> so he's whipped down to theatre while Aggie worries about how she listened to Tim moan about his bobby while James was dead on a five-a-side pitch. James's surgery goes well though, and Michael goes off to tell Danny and Dee Dee because Dee Dee gets a little mention. Yeah. And because it was a local anaesthetic, he's immediately talking to Aggie about getting back to training, worried. Aggie tells Ed she's not about to let her son die just because of stupid fucking football. I don't understand why it was just a local anaesthetic that that seems... Well, I don't think they put you under full anaesthetic unless they absolutely have to. I mean... there's complications that come from that, isn't there? I mean, they put me completely under for... Yeah, but this is America and the health system here is completely fucking Colonoscopies. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas my, my mum who too got colonoscopies watched that happen on TV. Well, my mum, my when my mum started to have to have colonoscopies because we are aware that colon cancer runs in our family. You only knew that <laughs> once you'd got it though. No, I, I knew it well before then because... Mm-hmm. Well, you never mentioned it. My, my grandmother died of it um, and her father had it. But... Um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't used to put you under mm. for them, but it is incredibly invasive. Even even if they like just numb the area, psychologically, you're freaking out, aren't you? To have like a tube stuck up your butt. Yeah, flood wash things. <laughs> On Wednesday, then James has been in hospital for two days, so is told by the consultant that he can go home today. Aggie's still concerned about this, but James actually says the words "a life without football." Is a living death, as far as he's concerned. Yikes! He asked, what, what, "What does he plan? What what was his plan for when he's too old to play football?" And let's be honest, right? Between you and I, because it's just you and I here, and our thousands of listeners <laughs> throughout the world. So, like I said, just mostly you and Canada. I, how good a footballer must he be if he's living? In a terraced house in Manchester with his parents. Well, let's remember, he tried to move out and his mum wouldn't let him. She's like, no, you have to stay at home. You have to live with us because we're family. Well, He could move out. He just doesn't want to disappoint his mother. I think plot dictates that he doesn't move out because then he would never be in any... Stu- oh, now see what mm. I've done there. Mm-hmm. He asks the consultant if he can go get back to playing football and the consultant tells him to... Heed the advice of the team's medical staff, take it easy, and he has a fair chance of making it back. 
So this makes James worried that he'll never get back to full fitness. And then there's that young whippersnapper who's taken his spot in the team and who actually scored a goal, apparently. Wow. Michael tells him to fight for his place and compete, which doesn't sound very much like taking it easy or listening to advice to no. me. No, On Thursday, James is home from hospital to a welcome home parade. Ronnie reveals that his manager, Bob Dover, what a hilarious name that is. At least it's not ben. Bill, or yes, Ben. What's Bill Dover? Build over. <laughs> Build yes, over. Thank goodness it's not that. That plot in the backyard where where we buried the accidental fiance. Right. Who, oddly enough, did bend over. <laughs> He's been round with a get well card and he'll be back later for a chat. So when bend over, Bob Dover, <laughs> his name's Bob Dover. It's Bob. When Bob Dover. It's a good thing his, his name's at White Cliffs. Or Mick Hunt. <laughs> when he comes round later, James makes a big deal about getting back in training and honouring his new contract that we're just learning about. But Bob says that the lawyers or the club hadn't signed the contract, so he doesn't actually have one. And no. it doesn't make sense for them to do so now until James can get back to full fitness. At which point, they'll reconsider it. Right. Sorry, kid. Damn the brakes. Yes. Says... Uh, Bob Dover. <laughs> Cliff Dover. And, and later, Cliff Dover? White Cliff. Uh, Heathcliff. White Cliff John Dover. <laughs> and later, a distraught James tells his family and Danny over speakerphone, probably, that the only thing he cares about in his life has been taken away. Yeah. And that's as far as I get with Fuck that. Fuck you, week. family and Danny. Right. <laughs> that thing that I'm fairly mediocre at. It's the most important thing in my life. No, he can't be fairly mediocre because you don't get on a team if you're fairly mediocre. Well, you don't get on a good team. Well, even a bad team, you still have to be fairly decent. I think I in, think it's very competitive okay, even so for in, like the little teams. So in comparison to the population at large, he's probably very good at, at yes. football. Yes. Compared to other footballers, he's probably mediocre. He's better than Corey. Cause remember, was he better than Corey? Because I thought yeah. Corey was... They were talking him up like this huge superstar, but he, he, he was, was he was rubbish. The little messy of talking Weatherfield him up because his dad had money and stuff. So we've been, well, <clears> I think we've been noticing that there hasn't been much in the way of James Bailey storylines, story yeah. and particularly James storylines for a while. I think this kind of, it's why, because he's a footballer and football right. stories are born. So Unless you're watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> Twice Emmy Award winning Ted Lasso. It's not funny. I it don't. Is. I don't know why it wins awards. It's awful. I didn't think this past season was as good as the season before, but I still find it amusing. Anyway, so this is how we get them out of playing football, I guess, and then they're doing something that's a little bit more interesting. What What else is there for him to do? Is he going to work at the Rovers? Is he going to work at Speed Doll? Is he going to work at the factory? Probably there, work at the factory. There are very limited choices here for jobs for people, which is kind of boring. Maybe should have just killed them off then. <gasps> that the chance they could have killed them off. <gasps> so they have some plans for them. Otherwise, they, they would have killed them off. Yeah. Maybe he'll be like a commentator on, on local television. It, there needs to be something where he's involved he with the characters that are in the street and that's what drags him into other storylines. Maybe him and Tim will start 
a footballing podcast. How does that involve them? Well, it involves them with Tim, I guess. Right, but. yes. And everybody on the street listens to it. And then what happens? And then they give them comments about it. Nobody comments on people's podcasts. Are you crazy? I would hope that they'd have something a bit more interesting than, than that up their sleeve. I don't know. I, I, I would find that amusing. Better than working in the factory. Too many people work in that factory. Okay, just, there has to be something. They've got a snooker hall that's there. Isn't that still abandoned? Nobody Isn't, bought it. Right, so here's a, a footballer with, one would assume if he's, if he's professional, he has some disposable money. Right, yes. Then Buy he's a not snooker hall. Buying a house with. Get a snooker hall up and running, and then we have another set that people can be involved in and stuff. And Wouldn't still, that be nice? And it's still kind of sport, I guess. If Wouldn't you call that be nice? Sport. Yes, but does he have a head for business? That doesn't stop most footballers getting involved in it. Footballers mm. tend to run pubs once they're maybe, maybe he once they're out, or maybe, they used to. Maybe he and Peter can get into business because Peter was the one who wanted to buy that snooker hall last. Remember? Peter had the chance to put money into that, and he, I think he chose to buy the invest in the factory, didn't he? Something like that. I don't know. And it then was it all just gets lost really in that romantic big, scene big, big with him and Carla in the snooker hall watching the fire fireworks right on new year's eve that was a really lovely scene that was i think that was moment of the week yeah yeah i like scenes like that yeah i prefer peter when he's not a conspiracy theorist but anyway we're talking about james and the baileys here right yeah give them something like that to do that gets other other people involved it's another set so people aren't just going from bistro to pub to speed dial it gives another another location that puts a little bit of variety in it because mm-hmm. if you're in a snooker hall well, they can do food they can do drink right they can do a little bit of darts yeah. you know they can do functions maybe maybe appealing more to the male characters but still at least it's another location we we don't mind looking at the male characters occasionally there you go all right shall we move on then yes to just a very quick four scenes here from from Monday in My Dead Mum Says I'm Cool. On Monday at the bus stop, Sam and Hope are talking about Jelena's party. Hope tells Sam that he needs to get changed out of his school uniform before he goes to a party. And I think Sam was intending on going in his school uniform. Yes. Liam comes along in his wedding county strip. Sam questions if his trainers are cool and if Liam in general is cool. Sam wants to be cool. Yes, and yet Sam, smartest kid on the street doesn't know that pencils no longer contain lead they contain graphite and that's been the case since i was a kid yeah yeah what what happened there writers dropping the ball on the smartest kid on the street saying that pencils have lead generally people say there's lead in the pencil right but everybody knows it's graphite and sam is the kind of kid who would say here's a fun fact it's not really lead it's graphite Oh, That's something Sam would say. That reminds me, I have a fun fact later on. About have graphite? I, have I missed it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Is it about graphite, though? No. Ah. And I, I don't know how fun it is, but it's a fact. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to, isn't it, listeners? It is. Later. Anyway, that was a thing that, that was one of the things that really annoyed me this week, is, is Sam saying 
led because that's just kind of the person I am. Sam wants to be cool, so cool in fact that he turns up to Jolina's party in a new Weddy County strip. He tells Jolina and fancy sneakers and her friend John, who is basically a taller version of him, that he's into video games and football now because he's cool. And Jolina says, "Well, does that mean that we're not cool?" And Sam goes, "Yeah, I didn't think this through." No, yeah, he didn't think the whole thing through because. This just does not go his way. Later, Jelena tells Sam that she would have invited them round to hers for a game of chess if he hadn't turned up as a full kit wanker. And so she's asked John instead. All right, John. Meanwhile, Leanne is sitting in a burning room drinking a coffee saying how she doesn't know what a meme is. (laughs) I don't even know what a meme is. I don't even know what a meme is, but this is fine. Sam rushes out and we see him posting another of his letters, but this time we see the recipient is Harvey Flaming Gaskell in the jail. And then we see a still image of Sam walking along the street with Jelena, but she's glaring at him because he's turned his head at Harvey Gaskell walking the other way. And there's no return address on that envelope. I don't think British people tend to write return addresses on envelopes. I know I certainly didn't. And if I did, I'd write it on the back. What happens if, if your letter gets lost and it needs to be returned to you? Ugh, How royal, does that happen? The Royal Mail never loses a letter. <laughs> so. I have to say they were very good about getting your mum's stuff to us here in America that one time. Yeah, yeah. they were good at that. Yes, they were. Yeah, I think if, was, if I'm going to write a return address, I'm going to write it in the back. I'm not going to write it in the front. Yeah, you're required to write it in the front. I know. Of course, Nobody sends One of the things anyway. that they don't tell you before you move here. Right. Yeah, it's true. And the differences in writing checks. But we're not talking about that. Who writes checks? Sam. What do you think of Jelena telling Sam that she would have invited them? That seemed unnecessarily cruel. No, I think she's spot on because he's doing this ridiculous thing. He's basically telling her she's not cool and he doesn't like the stuff she likes anymore, which means that he doesn't like her anymore. He doesn't mean it that way, but he's doing it that way because Sam is an awkward kid mm. who who doesn't understand social signals very well. But it seems to, despite knowing Jelena from a while back, right, seems to be listening to Hope and Liam about how to behave Right, yeah, because Hope's like, no, she she's, she won't be nice to you if you're not cool. But Hope never says to give up chess. She no. just says that you need to dress better, which, fair enough. <laughs> I, I don't d- think a Weathy County stripe is cool, though, stripe. necessarily. The shirt. Strip. Strip. Not stripe. Yeah. I d- it does I d- have a stripe on it, though, in fairness. Hooped. I think it is. Ah. I can just hear all the Rangers fans complaining that the way the county strip is actually like a Celtic strip. It used to be you, all green. Do you know there was actually a news article about the fact that Celtic gets mentioned in Coronation Street this week? Yeah, and I, I didn't know in what context. I heard Michael say it, but I didn't... Michael didn't say it. It was yeah, it was one Michael of the it. it was one of the wee boys to to Kelly in oh, another well, storyline. Then Michael said it as well then. No. Oh. Cause he was naming some players who I think have been through the same thing as James or has been naming through. Naming some other places that James could play for. Right. Yeah, that was Michael that did that. Yeah. 
There's a lot of football talk this week. Too much what is, football what talk. What is going on? Too they're, much football talk. They're forgetting their demographic of old ladies and gay men. Right. right. And me. Not not that old ladies and gay men can't be into the football because they can. Yeah, but demographically, I think it's unlikely. Not impossible. Here I'm trying to recover from us saying something kind of insensitive and then you go right back into it. Well, it's generally speaking, I think, I think you were on safe ground. Meh. But yeah, I don't know. He's, he seems to be listening to the wrong people about this. No, yeah. And all they're not speaking to Nick about it because... Well, well, Nick's not cool. <laughs> He's a dad. Dads aren't cool. Right. Now, the main thing about the storyline was the little twist and he's writing to Harvey. Right. This is Chekhov's Harvey, really, isn't right, it? You don't yeah. mention Harvey without Harvey, Harvey eventually making a reappearance. making it back. What's he writing to him for? Right. And it's not like Harvey's writing back. Cause can you imagine if a letter from Harvey showed up mm. at, at the house? That would be weird. Of course, he doesn't have his return address on there, so people may not know that it was Harvey. Might be in the back. Also, I feel like Sam's penmanship should be better than that. I thought so, too. I thought it was a little scratchy. Yeah, that looks like Hope's penmanship. I assume that this is who he's been writing to all along. All yes. along. Yeah. Because well, Jolene is really confused when somebody meant, somebody says that Sam is her pen pal. Well, in this case, then... Sam played that cool as a cucumber. He really did. When Nick said to him, "Is there anything about these letters that I should know about?" Last week, right? He said, "Nope, the grammar's fine." He yeah. didn't. He wasn't panicked. No, he didn't do like a shifty eye. No. Oh well, he's I'm getting an- to be a much better liar than he used to be. I wonder why he's writing to Harvey though. I guess he's blaming Harvey for his mum's death, which is well, which maybe he's correct about. maybe he's trying. Maybe he's trying to forgive Harvey for killing his mother and trying to understand why. I don't know. The reason that I liked this, because I did like it as, uh-huh. a, as a little twist, was... It's an interesting twist. We've... You may remember he spent the longest time being kind of mute from the whole thing and then started talking to Hope on the walkie-talkies and gradually he's got back and gradually we've started to think that maybe he's he's got over it to a certain extent. He's not thinking about it anymore. But this kind of proves that he is and kind of suggests that he always has been. He's just able to deal with it a little bit better and maybe better concealing it. I don't think your mother being murdered is something that you ever forget. Well, you know, he was focusing on his chest and that was his... um, Right. His obsession, yeah. and every time we saw him, he was talking about that. He wasn't talking about his mother. No, no, he's never really talked about his mother. No, but this is this is a nice little callback to that that yeah. is always in the back Very of his mind. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see. But I was actually a little disappointed that we didn't get some more of that this week. Well, we'll we'll get more in like three months. <laughs> right. In the meantime, <laughs> let's move on to our next storyline, which is situation vacant. Wow. Difficult to say. Difficult to hear. Now, is this where my... Fun fact? No, fun fact isn't in this Oh, one. so it's not a... There will be no fun facts in this segment. No fun facts about cockroaches. There will be no fun and there will be no facts. La cucaracha. On Monday at Speed Dial, they have no bookings because homeless Jew might have killed someone. 
they're also getting prank calls. 20 years ago, for 20, 30 years ago, for which he's already done his time. Yeah, people keep on forgetting about this. Aye, aye, aye. Realising that he's to blame, Homeless Jew leaves when where he's accosted by a group of youths who recognise him from an article in the Weather Gazette because that's the thing about youths. They're always reading local news. They're reading the newspaper. Always on top of the local news articles. And it's funny because it looks like the Gazette have used a screenshot from Corey when Asher caught homeless Stu shoplifting with ITV Corey's backpack that time. That's the screenshot that they used in their article. How do I know that? Of course I know that. Of course, of course. It's Instead of spending time with your family and cleaning the bathroom, you were... I cleaned the bathroom last month. <laughs> they harass him and push him over, but Stu is saved by Nina, who uses her gothic powers and her phone camera to scare the youths away. Back she home, does a great job. Back home, she tells him that she owes him after he helped get ITV Corey nicked and that she believes him to be innocent. She doesn't need him to confirm it. Right. On Wednesday, homeless shoes in Nina's roles where he's caught by Alia and Zidane looking for a new job. They're disappointed, but he reckons this is the only way for the restaurant to survive. Later, Alia runs into Billy dishing out his shitty soup to the hungry of Weatherfield. No! It's not shitty. It's from Speed Doll. Alia's just dropped it off. He was dishing out stuff before she arrived. And that was shitty. (laughs) She explains the situation at Speed Dial and Homeless Stew looking for alternate employment. So when Sean comes along talking about his birthday celebrations, Billy recommends Speed Dial and asks Sean to show some compassion because Sean is like, oh yeah, go for a curry and end up getting murdered. Well, we can but dream, Sean. Yeah, and let's remember when you were homeless, Sean, and then when you scammed your friends with a pyramid scheme... Mm-hmm. Whomst amongst us is innocent of everything Separately Billy tells Homeless Stu That people around here have good hearts Apart from Peter who tried to throw him off a cliff Adam who hoodwinked him into getting addicted to heroin Or Todd who lied and cheated his way back into his life But apart from them Great folks, big hearts (laughs) Give them time and they'll come round And hearing this, Homeless Stu goes back to work So despite his reservation Sean goes to speed dial and books a table for tomorrow at 2pm for lunch and he optimistically asks for a table for 10. Shit's picking up after all says Alia and one wonders if she'll be so cheery tomorrow when Sean's table for 10 turns out to be a takeaway for one. So it would be Sean. Sean number one. Dylan. Head of the table. Dylan. Uh, The Undertaker. George. Glenda. Eileen. (laughs) Todd. Todd doesn't show up though, does he? No. Oh, uh, his boyfriend. What's his name? Lawrence. Lawrence. Still needs three. Uh, Mary. Because Mary still lives there, right? She does, but I don't know if she'd go. No, because she and Glenda are BFFs now. Yeah, Glenda. Who's who's there? Yeah, but it's Sean's birthday though. Why wouldn't Sean invite Mary? Mary. I don't see Mary going to that. I'm not giving you Mary. Another three. Homeless Carol. (laughs) Gemma. They work together. I really don't. I'm. Well, maybe don't start counting when we're recording a podcast then. Mary. Mary would. Well, you still need two then. Daisy and Gemma. (laughs) Not that Daisy would ever go. Daisy wouldn't go. No. So on Thursday in the Bistro, Lawrence has given Sean a dragon kimono for his birthday because that's what he was needing on top of the peacock shirt that he was wearing. 
Boy, does Lawrence know Sean. Sean, though, seems more interested in Lawrence coming to his birthday lunch so he can prove to people that he actually exists. Lawrence, though, has to go into work, but says that he'll see what he can do rather optimistically. In Speed Dial, a happy customer wants to pass on his compliments to Homeless Stew, but as soon as he's done so, he's on the phone to a mystery third party telling them that Homeless Stew is definitely the person they think he is. Sean's table for ten turns out to be a table for five as he's waiting for Lawrence and the knicker people apparently were going to turn up. Sean calls Lawrence his significant other and this is why Lawrence could be forgiven for not showing up. Because he's being called a significant other? Already? And he did this right at the start. He was he was He very, bought him a kimono and he, he wants quick. to whisk him away to uh to a weekend away to watch a musical. That that feels like a significant other thing to do. The second well, this is before that happened for a starter. No, because he, he says check the pocket in the kimono. So he's already gotten the kimono, so he's already gotten this ticket. But, but no, because it all kinda happened as soon as they started going out together. Because it started when he was going to be Frank the Wank as well. He was very quick to promote the the man in his life up through the ranks and, and puts a little bit I don't know if you if you just start going out with somebody and you get called a significant other. I think if I think that's red flag territory I right think there. If, I think if Sean gets a second date, he considers it a significant other. Well, that's my point. Because he rarely gets a second date. The happy customer comes back, and this time he's an ominous customer. He announces himself as Charlie's mate, out for revenge on Stu's employer, and he quickly produces a box that he opens, and Sean's table practically faints as Gwyneth Paltrow's head rolls out along with a candle that smells of her vagina. It's full of cockroaches. The box, not Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. Well. Who knows? Oh, I love it because that's exactly what I was thinking. It was like, does he have Charlie's head in there? Just the way everybody reacts at the table, like, whoa! When they couldn't have seen what was in the box at the angle, but that's that's a, a minor quibble. Well, it depends upon how many cockroaches are in there. It's just meant to be there. funny. Where did they get the cockroaches from? Who was he phoning? A pet store. He would have bought the cockroaches at a pet store. So he's invested money in this. I thought maybe it was rats. Because how, how are you... How do you dump all those cockroaches in there and not have like a million cockroaches just jump right back out of the box? How did he do that? The box was kind of at an angle before he opened it and I'm thinking, well, the cockroaches are going to fall out of this. But then he's just standing in the middle of all this terror, not giving a solitary shit about the cockroaches that are currently going up his legs. Right, yeah. He's not a celebrity Get me out of here. He's no. quite happy about this. Yeah, he's Everyone t- else is losing their shit, but he's right. just standing there going, yep, that's a job well done. And he, he accuses uh, Speed Dalla hiring, well, you're you're getting, we're getting the cops on you, says the Dan, for, for doing this. You're not going to get uh-huh. away with this. Oh, what, like, like Homeless Stew getting away with killing Charlie? No, he, he didn't get away prison. with it. He served his time. Right. He did the opposite of getting away with it. Right. What is going on here? Do people not understand how the law works? Well, this guy seemingly doesn't. And like, if you were, if, if, if my friend had been murdered and somebody was convicted of it and went down for it, I would be on top of that the whole time and be well aware when that person got out. Because, because that would be important to me to know when 
that person got out of jail. Even after 27 years? Well, if I believe that he murdered someone, and I know statistically that murderers tend to murder again once they get out, yeah. I'd want to know where they were. I think I would have probably cared about that for maybe three years. And then I'm like, oh, do you know what? This is just too much like hard work. <laughs> Caring and empathy are hard work for you? For another couple of decades? Yeah. I've just, I've made my peace with this. I've moved on. Sorry, any friends of mine who've been murdered in the last 27 years. Didn't I, you have a friend who got murdered? A schoolmate of yours got murdered. No, he, he was the one who did the murdering. Oh, that's right. You went to school with a murderer. Interestingly, I, I'm concerned about where he is. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not really. I did have that one teacher that disappeared and they never found the body. Maybe there was no body to find. Right. Maybe he just disappeared for other reasons. Just didn't want to be found. Hmm. And if he worked in your school, I can I can <gasps> see why. Shame on you. So, so he's dumped this box of cockroaches all over Speed Dial. <laughs> and it's enough to send the birthday party packing. Not even Alio's offer of free lassies is enough to keep them. Right, even though, you know, they know that the cockroaches weren't there beforehand and haven't gotten to the kitchen yet and are just teeny tiny bugs that have been swept up. It's it's not like they're venomous snakes. They're horrible things, though. And this is coming from someone who had... (laughs) Who, as a child, was traumatized when vacationing at her grandmother's house in florida opened her suitcase and a palmetto bug jumped right at me and it was like this big do you always refer to yourself in the third person when you're telling terrifying stories yes because it helps me to separate myself from the terror clearly and how long have you felt this way since it happened when i was 12 at home glenda takes a piss out of sean for lauren standing him up then lawrence comes in and Sean gives him a note. He says, look, if you're not that into me, just say so, because, by the way, I'm a catch. And there's a sound of millions of viewers in the UK just spitting their tea out at that point. But apparently Lawrence has lost his phone and doesn't know Sean's number off by heart. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, he's like, sorry, we haven't been together long enough for me to have memorized your number. Or to be called a significant other. Also, who memorizes numbers these days? You just plug it into your cell phone and then hit the name. So he couldn't tell him that he wasn't going to be able to make the lunch. He says he fancies the pants off of Sean and the two of them winch on the couch. Do you think anybody ever calls him Larry? Lawrence? Yeah. No, he's definitely a Lawrence, isn't he? A nice guy. I think he's a good character. Sorry. I, I don't know what on earth he's doing with Sean. What did you make of the age of the guy? The guy with the cockroaches? Because I'm watching this and he's announcing that he's a, a friend of Charlie's. And I'm thinking, really? Because Charlie... Died 30 years ago. Died 30 years ago and was maybe in her 20s. I don't know. Right. So you look about 35. Right. So you and were five so not- years old. But looking at it again, he looked a little bit older, but apparently but the actor much. is forty nine fifty, which I'm like, wow, that's because you don't have a bit of grey in your beard or your hair. You, you don't look like you've had an easy paper round, but well, I said that you were 50 years old. You don't look older than me. Actors, actors do tend to dye their hair. But would you dye your beard? Yeah. You'd have to dye it all the time. They have the little brushes that you can get with just for men. Oh, you can be bothered beard. doing that. I'm glad you don't because you're dead sexy with a grey beard. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, the, the whole the whole Charlie time murder timeline story. It's it's got holes big enough to drive a Mack truck through. And I this just, is just this is just adding on to it. Because his daughter doesn't look that old either. So well, that, the daughter, I would imagine, is was still quite young when it happened. So that's mu- okay. So not the murderer then. Right. Hmm. Probably. Because that was your main su- suspect, remember? I thought it was the mother who I thought... No, you were the daughter and the mother was covering it up. Hmm. No, I think now I think the mother is covering it up I after that a, conversation. I think it's the copper. And the copper was having the affair with with Stu's wife. I do like that, but I, I think it was the the copper that did it. Well, we're right. We're yeah, no, but the copper did it because he was having an affair with Stu's wife. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, she's. Although one would think that you would want Stu's love interest to stay alive, so that maybe he will leave his wife for her, and then you could, unless unless he was planning on bumping Stu off as well. Well, it was an interesting point of having the, the copper definitely having an affair and then not mention who the affair was with. Mm-hmm. So that is suspicious in soaps, it right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Like you don't mention who it was because that's going to be important later I don't know. On. It's just that and the whole, like, people, including random teenagers on the street. Random teenagers reading the weather gazette online and and caring is difficult to believe. That's a guy who went to prison for murdering someone thirty years ago. So let's taunt him into murdering us. Hmm. Let's let's get him off the streets because he murdered someone thirty years ago. Do you know this kind of just feels to me like they've dug themselves into a hole here by making them in jail for three decades. Right. And then how long was he on the street? Because, again, it seemed like he had been on the street for quite some time. He was experienced mm-hmm. on the street, you know, and, and knew how to get around and which dumpsters were the best to get food out of and stuff. Um, and then just, yeah, I think you're right. I think they've, they've just kind of dug their hole with the storyline and it's just. I'm confused about the daughter's age. I'm confused about this guy's age. I'm still a little, despite your wonderfully detailed explanation, I'm still a bit concerned about where he got all these cockroaches at such short notice and who he was on the phone to. Well, I, you know, you can buy cockroaches to feed your lizards By at the, the pet store. Yeah, but how do you empty that box into this big wooden box and not have the cockroaches run out? before you get a chance and how did he keep them inside that box the whole time he was eating his meal and where did he keep that box did nobody say why do you have this big black box with you see i thought you left and came back i thought that was what happened I don't think so. it seemed like he got up from his seat and walked right over I, the, the whole the whole scene was weird i mean it was funny i enjoyed it from as a spectacle but the Attributes of it. Just the way everybody reacts on the table. I was like, he's got Charlie's head in there. And then I was like, maybe it's rats? But no, it's teeny tiny cockroaches. Mm -hmm. Rats would be easier to keep in a box because there are fewer of them because they're bigger than cockroaches. What was the show that the guy had the thing in the matchbox and he kept on showing people and they, they freaked out? I think it might have been a British comedy show, British sitcom. 
That sounds familiar. And it was a, like was it like a finger or something? It was an old man that had kept something in a matchbox. It wasn't <sighs> old fools and horses, I don't think. Yeah, I just remember in uh, in the in the children's story, a cricket in Times Square, that the little boy kept his pet cricket in a matchbox. It was last of the summer wine. <laughs> and what did the old man have in that matchbox? You never found out. Oh. Because plot twist. Because as soon as uh, Compo showed Nora Batty, who had the uh, wrinkly tights, uh, what was in his matchbox, invariably all the old people that were in the show would be in a bathtub going down a hill at high speed. And that show ran for like 90 years. <laughs> there is a Pinterest board for Watson Compo's matchbox that um, I advise nobody. What is wrong with the people in your country? To look at. Well, there's not much to do. <laughs> Moving on to our next storyline tonight is things to do in Gretna when you're dev. <laughs> on... <laughs> it's not bad. That's that's the best one so far. Thanks. And uh, there are no fun facts in this segment either. Uh, you on don't Monday... have a fun fact about... About Dev's weird lime green baseball cap that has a P on it? No, but it is going to be mentioned at length later. <laughs> on Monday at the Rose Gold Flat, Liam and, and I'm going to say Jake spot uh, Kelly's laptop and see that she's been <clears throat> vogling Gretna Green. Well, it's because they're fighting over the Xbox. And so in order to get them to stop fighting, Kelly says to the blonde one, here, you can watch videos on my laptop and I'll beat the brown-haired ones, but <laughs> at this game right, is what happened. Yeah, that, that's quite funny because Maria calls them brothers at one point and they go, no, we're not. Yeah. I mean, technically they're... No, technically they're not brothers. They're stepbrothers because their parents are married to one another. Because Jake is Gary's kid, and Liam is Maria's kid, and Maria and Gary are married, so mm-hmm. they're stepbrothers. Yeah, but they're not brothers. Well, who says step... They're not, they're not blood. What, what, sort of, what sort of asshole says stepbrothers instead of just brothers? She's been voggling Gretna Green, and she covers by saying that she's off up there to watch their football team. Gretna do have a football team. Do you know what they're called? The Gretna Greens? Gretna. Because that's because that's what Kelly says, that Gretna Green is yeah, I, a football team. They're just called Gretna. Later, that's the, boring. the boys reveal this dull fact to Maria and Gary, who quickly put two and two together. Maria thinks that even if Addy is Kelly's love of her life, and even if she does deserve some happiness, it's unlikely to last. Gary worries that by putting their foot down on this, they're going to drive her away. And earlier we learned that Kelly's house has been sold for 380000 Yes, And I was a little surprised that she didn't know that, that she wasn't the one to find that out. It was Gary that found that out and told her. Well, she's still, she's not, she's still not of age. So it's, as it's, her legal uh, guardian, Gary would be handling that, one would think. Yeah, it's kind of her house and I would have thought that maybe the letter would have been addressed to her. But anyway. She doesn't so fucking care about it though. They approach Kelly and Addy about this and surprisingly, they give their blessing to the union. Maria's odd condition is that if they ever fall out of love, they communicate this with each other. And actually, coming from Maria, that makes perfect sense. Gary kind of bullies Addy by calling him a wuss for not telling Dev, so Addy proves that he's a man after all by moving back in with his dad, which means that Jake can move into the rose gold flat, I guess. Well, he was already moved in. 
because <sighs> they had already said beforehand that Jake was moving in as well. Yeah, so it's cramped now. Was Jake always blonde? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember him being blonde. I don't remember ever seeing him. We have seen him with with his mum, with Izzy. When was the last time we saw her? Ah, uh, it's been too long. Like the last time, the last time was with uh, was on video. Yeah. On Wednesday, Dev has a brand new green baseball cap with a P on it, and he's very, very happy about this. It's lime green. Calling even. himself a trendsetter. Addy comes down the stairs and has so news confused. for Dev with his new green baseball cap with a P on it. But he's going to be late for his tea time, so it'll need to keep. Back at the Rose Gold flat, Kelly batters Addy when she discovers that he bottled out of telling Dev. She reckons it'll help if she's there, mm-hmm. though fuck knows why. So that's what they decide to do. Back at Dev's, he's back from a nightmare of a round of golf and not even his brand new green baseball cap with a pee on it is going to put him in a good mood. Right, because it's gotten run over by a, a cart and yeah. it's all muddy and flat. Deciding, yeah, fuck it, how much angrier can he be? Addy and Kelly decide to tell him anyway. We're getting married, hurrah! And it turns out Dev can be much angrier, accusing Kelly of being a drug addict, a revenge porn distributor, a criminal and a basket case. Basically, all of them out at the breakfast club. <laughs> Kelly takes issue with this, despite it all being true, until sensible Asha orders her dad to go for a walk, young man, and you calm down. Right. And that's what Dev does. Yeah, because uh, Dev once again and then freaks out about money be- and then explains that I have no money because I'm still keeping your sister's naked body off the internet. Yeah, which apparently... Is done in monthly installments or something. He bought uh, Addy a car a couple of weeks ago, so yeah, money so, can't be so that he can't, tight. He can't be that tight, no. Later, Asher reckons that Dev will come around eventually and just needs to get used to the idea. Kelly, whose first idea today has been a total fuckfest, has another one. Let's prove her commitment by throwing a massive engagement party. That won't rub it in Dev's face at all, and it's sure to bring him round. Addy's already blinkered, so agrees. Gary and Dev end up having drinks in the Rovers. Dev points out that Kelly isn't his, so he can't really know what this is like. But sensible Gary suggests that they're going to get married whether Dev likes it or not, and he can either get on board with it or lose the argument and his son in one go. Dev, though, can't be persuaded. So Gary goes back round to his house. It's still weird seeing him in that house. Mm -hmm. To tell him that he's tried to talk to Dev round, but to no avail. Kelly and Addy tell him that they've decided to postpone the wedding until they're 18 and they're going to have a massive engagement party instead. Gary approves, but when Dev comes home and they eventually tell him, he's less than happy and refuses to pay for it, advising Addy to get a prenup. Kelly informs him that she's independently wealthy, thanks very much. So fuck you very much. And maybe she should get the, the prenup. She, she, yeah, maybe she should be the one to demand a prenup. Dev calls this ridiculous and refuses to give his blessing. On Thursday, Kelly is dressed ready for court in another storyline when Gary surprises her with a menu for her engagement party, which she and Maria are going to pay for. But Kelly is determined to pay for herself. Gary calls her part of the family and they hug while Maria kind of watches on like Marge. Later in Nina's roles, Kelly has a look. It's a very good margin presentation. Kelly has a look at the guest list that Addy and Asha have been dreaming up, and she gives them a hard time when there are hardly any names in it, and decides to publicise it on the social media, like all those stories you hear where parties that have been publicised on the social media get out of hand and people die. Later, back at the Rose Gold flat, Gary has a package for Kelly. 
she's ordered but like that. seven outfits for her engagement party. Right, she's 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 gonna do costume changes throughout the night as if she was a presenter at an award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Gary encourages her to try them on, for, and while she's gone, Maria finally lets her true feelings come out about the wedding and the engagement party, which Kelly overhears because she doesn't think this is a great idea. It's a waste of money. And this is going to last maybe five minutes. Gary separates himself from Maria's views, saying that he thinks that her and Addy are the real deal. And Maria's really confused of why are you throwing me under the bus here. Kelly's still in a bad mood about this and the other storyline later. Gary tries to cheer her up and remind her of all the people who care for her. But this makes Kelly think of how few people actually know her. So when Gary leaves, she whips out her phone and it looks like she's given her friend Sharon a call. And that's as far as we get with that. Not Sharon Bentley. Sharon Heavy Sharon. This was bound to happen. Yeah. That Sharon, the whole Sharon character hasn't really been dealt with, has been a lingering collector of information in the storyline that if she wasn't going to come back, she would have had to been dealt with at some point. Right. She hasn't been dealt with it at any point. Although she had a... She was, she was there, She was kinda, in cahoots with Gary, right? The right. two of them were... She, she was aware that Kelly's mum died and that Kelly's mum took the fall for killing Ke- Kelly's dad. Because she approached Gary about it. Right. Because I think Kelly had tried to contact her as well. And didn't, right. didn't she contact her when she was giving the money away and, right, yeah. and stuff like that? So she'd been kind of yeah, on the periphery and, of this storyline for a while. Sharon was quite upset that Gary was letting her do it. And Sharon was the one who told Gary what Kelly was doing. My concern, as far as Gary's concerned here, is what is to stop Sharon from grassing Gary up now? Well, why would she do that? Well, why wouldn't she? Because her allegiance is with Rick the Chin. And her her allegiance is with Kelly. Yeah, her allegiance, it feels like her allegiance is for Kelly because she, she... she didn't necessarily mind that Rick was dead. I, she was more concerned about how that would affect Kelly because she's known Kelly her whole life. Yeah, and how, Kelly's it's, whole how life. it's going to affect her as well. Right. So it's it's interesting that 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 and and hearing from and hearing Maria's thoughts on it, Gary's kind of forced to make her feel better about herself and. And all the people who know her. And this is a kind of wake-up call to her. Well, actually, nobody really knows me here. The only people that really know me is Sharon. Right. Sharon's the only one that knows me pre-Rick the Chin and right. Laura the Chin kind of days and pre-Gary days. Right. So, so that's probably what's dropped the, the, the idea into her head. But this is... Still, it's weird that they're doing this, this uh, guest list... And they don't have very many people on it. And she's like, oh, well, I guess I don't know very many people. You'd think Addie would know more people. This is Addie's guest list as well. And he doesn't pipe up and say, well, I'll compensate with all of my people. Now, I uh, paused it, obviously, when we saw our contacts list. Right. Summer's not on it. No. Which, But Summer is on the guest list. Which isn't a surprise that Summer's not on it. Ryan's on it. And Stephen's on it. 
Now, I'm assuming that that's a different Ryan and it's a different Stephen. It's definitely got to be a different Stephen. Why on earth would you have Audrey's son in her her phone? I can see maybe Ryan. Because he's not that much older than the kids. Is he? 10 years older than her. You think he's 28? Yeah, okay, 28. Maybe if not already in his 30s. No. Looks good for his age. A handsome man by any measure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and wasn't there a Thomas? There was a Thomas, and there was no stew, so I was assuming that uh, <laughs> he was filed under homeless stew. Right. Yeah, we need to scroll down a little bit further, maybe. No, because then we're on the T's. If if they're in alphabetical order, maybe they're in. It's an alphabetical order. It's a phone, Helen. Can't you change how how? Your your names are sorted. You you can just agree with me. It's fine. I don't I'm want not, I'm to. I'm not going to think any worse of you, and I'm not going to <laughs> take this as a precedent that you're going to agree with everything. But it's alphabetical I will, order. I will agree with nothing. It's a alphabetical order. I don't know. It it never makes sense because remember Abby's phone list didn't have didn't have Sally on oh, it. Oh, like something? three people on it. Right. <laughs> so it's. Maybe they need to to be more careful when it comes to set design and stuff on this show because there are people like you who are zooming in and making screenshots. There's a there's a moment uh, uh, later on where uh, Alia knows Glenda by name. Like, when did they ever get introduced to each other? Well, with the cockroaches. No, that's, that's before that happens. Glenda comes running out. Uh-huh. And and Alia knows her name. Dev not given his blessing. He seems kind of entrenched in his position here. He of, really is. Of kind of being an asshole about it. Right. I mean, I guess I can kind of understand him still being resentful about the whole Asha thing. Right. Especially if he's still paying some swindler on the internet for... <laughs> keeping it off i would think at this point the the way things age on the internet i mm-hmm. think at this point he'd be safe I, I, if it's been taken off and it's been wiped off well at what point do you stop paying that does asha continue to pay this after dev's dead <laughs> probably not no so it's been like a couple of years right we- at this point does it really matter Asha doesn't seem to care that much anyway. No, she's quite happy and content in her relationship with Nina. Yeah. And ITV Corey's in jail. Right. You seem to be avoiding the front of the microphone for some reason. Um, It's right here. I don't know why it's... It's kind of angled weird. out of shape a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, you pointed out, he's he's acting like he has no money. And yet, Uh, he just bought Addy a car. It's Schrodinger's money. It uh, exists <laughs> in that box and doesn't exist in that box. I really liked, on the I really liked Kelly standing up for herself and saying, well, actually, right. we don't need your freaking money, Gramps. Yeah. I'm and, independently wealthy. And I was surprised that I didn't get a reaction out of Dev because Dev is the sort of person that would react to that. She's I, independently it, it wealthy. It did seem to kind of shut him up a little bit because it does kind of counteract this whole idea he has that she's after Addie's money for some reason mm-hmm. or Addie's 
potential money when he becomes the kingpin of all of Dev's businesses. Yeah. Someday. And 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 yet he has no money. All I think I know just to finish this bit off is he's we're kind of careering towards the end of Kelly. Yeah. Or Kelly in the show and makes me sad. And I genuinely don't have any idea of where it's going from this point. It's like is it the party? Is is that is that going to be a major point? I don't know, they seem to be making it a major point. I, I don't think they're going to go to Gretna because no, that, that because would require already, them to... they've already said that they weren't, that right. they were going to wait until they were 18. Right. Which, poor Addy. That, it's Addy I feel sorry for the most. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to our next story is Glenda Behind Bars, and this is where we're going to have our fun fact. On Wednesday, I feel like I've maybe made too much of a big deal about this. And it's not going to be a fun fact, or you're going to have questions that I don't have answers to. Well, we'll see. On Wednesday, Sean is dressed as a children's TV presenter when Glenda bursts in looking for a cuppa and stealing Eileen's biscuits. Yeah, he's wearing a onesie, isn't he? Glenda's bought a pamper kit and offers to wax Eileen's toes for her. In the pub, Eileen has had quite enough of Glenda in the house, plus she doesn't even have hairy toes. Right, and why is Glenda staying in the house when the Undertaker has this big, massive house that nobody's living in? I think well, where did, she came in, so she was... So she was somewhere else, so she must be staying at the big massive house. So why is Eileen so mad that she visits occasionally? I think it's maybe more than occasionally, and I think maybe that's a problem. Or maybe she just really likes those granola bars and is mad that Glenda keeps eating her granola bars that she hides from people, and then Sean finds and then gives to Glenda. Eileen says that she can't get peace in her own house, and George promises to have a word with his sister. Oh, really? It's Glenda's fault you can't have peace in your house, Eileen? <laughs> so Maybe he, you should stop inviting people to live with you, Eileen. So he goes home and finds Glenda covered in Eileen's cucumbers, but not like that. <laughs> cleansing her aura. He gently tries to encourage her to be less of an annoying thief, and for some reason Glenda's nose is put out of joint and she storms out. And she storms to Nina's roles to complain to Sean about George and Eileen. Glenda sees Eileen's point, though, and is bored out of her tits. So Sean mentions that Jenny will be looking for help at the Rovers and giving Glenda's history of working with hospitality, promises to have a word for her. Later in the Rovers, Glenda is regaling Jenny and particularly Gemma with stories from cruise ships. Apparently one time, a sequined Shirley Bassey was winched down onto the ship from a helicopter. Yes. Now, what is it about old British ladies and helicopters? How is the word helicopter constructed? What do you mean? The heli and the copter? Well, there you go, because it isn't heli and copter. So things like helipad are wrongly wrongly named. It should be helio. It's helico and ter. P-T-E-R is how is from pterodactyl, essentially. It's well, it's, it's from the same root, na- root right. word as pterodactyl. So it shouldn't be helipad, it should be helicopad. That's a fun fact. I think I, I think I think I would prefer that. I think helicopad sounds fun. I think it does sound good. I must I must be ru- I must be rushed to the hospital on a helicopter and we will land on the hospital's helicopad. Before I die. So, where do we get to? I don't know. Jenny lets Glenda loose on the pumps and she makes an absolute whore of a mess of it, wasting two pints and breaking a glass. Jenny quickly realises that Glenda's full of shite. 
George comes in and gets wind of this and makes a plea for his sister, reckoning a little bit of training will make Glenda a hard-working and loyal employee. And Jenny falls for it and gives Glenda a trial with Gemma as her mentor. God help us all. Yes. That's and God bless that. us, everyone. So this is basically Glenda finding her place and where she's going to be in the in the hierarchy of the show. And I think sticking her in the rovers is probably a brilliant. stroke of genius, right? Because then she's yes. like Jenny and kind of like Gemma at the moment where she can get involved at a low level on practically every storyline. Hmm. Yes, yes. I, I approve of this message. Mm-hmm. Yes. Moving on, our next storyline, our penultimate storyline is Ryan's Nest. Wow, already? On Thursday, what do you mean already? We've been doing this for seemingly forever. <laughs> on Thursday, Alia is preparing speed dial for a meal in another storyline when Matt appears. I had to, who's he again? He's oh, the guy he's, who... He's the sales guy, Yeah, right? he's a sales guy who wants to get in Alia's pants. Yeah, and he appears to whisk her off for a supply... Supplies? A surprise lunch. But it's not much of a surprise because they go to the bistro. Matt gives her flowers, which she, rather cruelly, I thought, asks Ryan to take care of. Yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ryan, can you take care of these, these lovely flowers for me, please? Fuck off. Take care of your own <laughs> fucking flowers. I'm going to piss in these. And you're, and you're only going to find out about it days later when they're all dead. And stinking and in my with, piss. It's still and filled with cockroaches. Right. And another storyline. Yeah. But to be fair, he does take them away. And then he gets to the bar and Ronnie, who seems to be the executive sponsor for Ryan's Love Life, asks him if is, is she the one We got a lot of Ronnie this week. Ryan admits I approve. that she is and he has to do something about it. He tries to accost her in the street, but the drama from another storyline with cockroaches interrupts him. So later he gets a word with Alia and tells her that after the theft and all that sort of stuff, he's worried that he's lost his chance with her. She tells him that he lost his chance with her as soon as he was sexually assaulted by Daisy. And that's as far as that goes. And he says this to her he, he right after he witnesses her smooching the mat. Right. Yeah. Not uh, not the greatest timing there, Ryan. No. And I think maybe maybe that ship is now officially sailed which is a shame because i did like those two kids together i think there's still a chance you think yeah i do i think why else is ryan not in prison (laughs) and still on the show right if not to get back together with alia because we all know i think he's got more chance with ronnie at the moment (laughs) which wouldn't be bad would he be a thruple with ronnie and debbie there was a bit of chemistry with him and Debbie when they were plotting to steal from bit. the mm-hmm. from the bistro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could work. Let me just let me just picture it in my head first. Oh dear, I think the term is spit roast. <laughs> there is spit involved. I'll give you that. <laughs> none <laughs> of this is not. none of this is making the cut. Oh no. Our final storyline tonight is Undercover Spider. Is it? Yep. On Monday, it's morning in Leanne's newly redecorated flat that I haven't got used to yet. Leanne wants to take Toya out for breakfast, but Toya has a date, kind of, with Griff. I'm confused every time. Like, where are they? I know. I don't understand where this is. And Griff 
is definitely interested in Toy, I think. Anyway, we learn that the trial is next week, which I think is this week, by the way that the episodes have fallen. And, and indeed it is. Outside later, Leanne has a go at Spider for hurting Toya and then pushing her away into the arms of Griff. Leanne doesn't trust Griff as far as she could throw him at PC Tinker's head. Spider promises to have a word. Later, Peter bumps into Toya and they talk about the situation with the protest and how Carla hates Griff as well. Peter and Toya both fancy the rascal and Toya opens up to Peter and lets her guard down and they hug just as Syrah rolls onto the street in her fancy Range Rover. She's here to see Alfie, but doesn't let the chance to verbally abuse Toya and call her a murderer slip through her fingers. And a slut. Mm. She accuses Toya of having a fancy man, thinking this is motive for killing Imran. Right, and thinks Peter is her fancy man, which is hilarious. And he's next to useless standing there, but then Griff comes along and he overcompensates and tells Syrah that they don't take kindly to her sort in these parts and tells Syrah to do one and no one says anything to Griff about this kind of racist language that he was using right. against yeah her. he means wealthy but he's saying this to a brown lady so it comes across as very very racist yeah i was thinking that i'm i'm, I'm not inclined for any reason to give him the benefit of the doubt but if i'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and i'm thinking that he's not being racist here the changes that would have to be made to that line to make it racist would be zero words yeah yeah and I think that's just kind of in the back of my head anyway, because a governor in this country just shoved a whole bunch of immigrants onto an airplane and sent them to Martha's Vineyard without their permission. Yeah, I'm not sure how you are allowed to do that. You're not. You're kind of trafficking. You're trafficking people to score human a political beings. Point, which doesn't seem right. But anyway, this is not a politics podcast. It is not. Yeah. It's a strange phrase to use and it becomes stranger when nobody says anything about it. Right. And I would just rather that they'd found a different way of saying that. Well, let's just remember how this particular soap opera tends to deal with racism to begin with. Well, where's PC Tinker to sort all this out? That's what I'm asking. (laughs) Toya, Peter and Griff retire to Nina's roles. Griff still has a racist handful of racist sand down his racist foreskin about Syrah. Toya is more understanding considering that she killed Imran, but Peter is quick to point out that it was an accident. Then comes Spider who joins him and Griff comes up with the idea of letting down Sarah's tyres on her flash motor. Spider warns against this, which makes Toya decide I hate crime. that she's in. <laughs> right. Do you think Griff is a Gryffindor? No. But later in the gunnel, Griff reveals his real plan, which is to blow Cyrus' car up. Just as soon as his KKK outfit is back from the dry cleaners, Spider makes his excuses and leaves. Right. It's like, (laughs) if the show really wanted to show him not actually being racist, but being against people who are wealthy, maybe blowing up her car, Mm -hmm. a literal hate crime, is not the way to go. In a residential area. Right. So, Spider goes straight round to Toya's to warn her that Griff is taking things too far. Toya wonders why Spider cares and he blurts out that he loves her again and yes he's married but it's complicated and he tells her a story of a woman that he met in South America Aunt Lucy I think her name was but Her name was Layla But she's not been seen in yonks Because because, because she decided a, to marry Eric Clapton yeah, instead be, yeah, He's not seen her in yonks because she's an Eric Clapton song <laughs> 
He loves Toya, it's only ever been her, and he asks her to leave Syra out of this and to drop the plan to let the air out of her tyres. Toya needs to know that she's not the other woman. He confirms that's the case and they smooch on the balcony where their hot action is spotted, obviously, by Syra. And she heads straight to the cop shop where she tells DS Blondie that Toya is kissing and cuddling Spider, which proves that he killed Imran. DS Blondie doesn't think this is really proof, but seems interested at the mention of Spider's yeah, name. And I'm like, here we go. It's kind, here we go. It's kind of ridiculous that Spider and Toya are having this conversation about how they need to keep their relationship under wraps for the time being and then kiss on an open balcony in front of the whole street. Right. While Toya goes to tell Griff that he'll have to let the air out of Cyrus' tyres on his own, there's a clandestine, weak-ending scene in the alleyway of Doom where DS Blondie approaches Spider and calls him Detective Constable Spider. Well, weak-ending for you. Mm-hmm. Spider says that he's, uh, he's working a case, but Blondie is worried that he's going against the ethical book by having a relationship with a mark. She tells him to get the dirt from Toya on what really happened, else she's going to grass him right up. And I'm like, I've been saying this for weeks. Isn't it great when you're right? Oh. To be fair, they made it kind of obvious at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, interesting, now that it's now that it's a thing. Right. If you'd known Spider from 20 odd years ago, there's no way in the world that he's a copper. And we've got to wonder where he's, he's been in Peru. Which is why he well, was shagging Aunt Lucy, and he was—he claimed he was in Peru. I know he was. So, because he was with Emily, and Emily was in Peru, right? So, well, so um, where does he find the time to become a policeman at this point in his life? Well, he does say that things went sour with Layla because he saw the dark side of protesting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when he decided. To become an undercover cop. People just decide to become undercover cops. Yeah. I guess Craig did, right? Right. Well, Craig doesn't get to be a detective, remember? No. Because I think of the, the the laughter that Can was... Can you imagine Craig being undercover? He can't even say Talladega Nights. <laughs> That's a strange requirement to become a detective. <laughs> to be able to accurately pronounce the back catalogue of Will Ferrell. Fair enough. Or or famous oh. racing tracks in America for the NASCAR. The thing that gets me with uh, Sofa Cinema Club, because yes, that's what we're talking about, <laughs> is how he says www.sofacinemaclub.com. And it's like, it's a pet peeve of mine. That people that get... He's still, is he still living in the 1990s? No, that people get bored saying www and just say www. Who needs to even say www anymore? You don't, it's like you saying... Don't have to type it in. It's like saying backslash backslash H- semicolon. HTTP colon backslash backslash right. www dot. Anyway. On Wednesday, Toya... Talladega. Toya is pretty low as she receives advice from her lawyer and seems keen to veg out on the couch all day. But it's a new couch, so Leanne doesn't want her oozing onto it, so decides to set about giving her something to take her mind off things. So later, when Abby comes into the bistro with Alfie for no reason, Leanne asks her if Toya could look after the kid for a while. Abby agrees, and even though Toya smells a rat, she's left to look after him while Abby eats cakes and drinks coffee. Just don't run off to Costa Rica with him, says Abby. What, too soon? (laughs) 
Weatherfield is her oyster, but Toya takes Alfie to the community garden where she meets an apologetic Kelly. She knows Toya is innocent in that, and she's dreading court tomorrow with no Imran to save the day. All right, cheerio then. Kelly leaves and Toya has a moment of weeping reflection, which a passing Gemma spots. Toya blames it on her hay fever. Privately, Toya hopes Alfie will be able to forgive her for what she's done. And that was a bit of ominous as well. Mm. Then Abby appears and Toya hands the kid over before rushing off, upset. That kid's a giant. Mm-hmm. That kid has a massive head. Where did this kid get a massive head from? What a horrible thing you said for wee that baby. baby is not wee. He's gigantic. I feel so sorry for Abby. That's why she didn't cycle home from the hospital. <laughs> He was so wee at first, and now he's enormous. Kelly says he's Imran's double. (laughs) Really? Okay. Let's not investigate that too much. Meanwhile, Gemma has gone to the bistro to warn Leanne that she saw Toya, and Toya was upset. In a secluded area, Spider meets up with DS Blondie, who is again demanding the gossip on Toya. Spider insists that Toya isn't a murderer. Blondie says that's exactly what a murderer would say. And then takes then Spider takes a call from Leanne who can't get a hold of her sister. Spider promises to find her. And he must find her because next we see that they're back at the flat when a distraught Toya tells Spider that he deserves to hear the truth and she reveals that it wasn't an accident. She deliberately crashed the car and murdered Imran. Leanne is outside the flat and overhears this. Right, and she does kind of imply that she was trying to murder herself as well. Yeah. In, in that, like, she she, cra- she she wanted to end everything. Yeah, she, at that moment, she didn't care if either of them lived. lived. Right. Which, uh, and it, it feels like that, feels like in this whole storyline that that's kind of glossed over. Isn't it? That she tried to kill herself? Mm-hmm. Everybody is so focused on the Imran part. Who, let's remember, didn't die in the car crash. No, he died of a heart attack after... You know, beating up the car to get Toya out mm-hmm. and overexerting himself when he's just been in a car crash. Uh, the, let's call the car crash a contributing factor, right. certainly. But the way that this is all kind of getting talked about, is Toya seems to think that he, that he did die in the car crash right. and, and she's directly responsible for it. And I think at most she's indirectly responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not murder. It's probably manslaughter, if anything. Yeah which nobody seems to be acknowledging at all. No, no. Anyway. There so, are very few legal experts on the show. And I'm not a legal expert either, but it's no. like that's, that for murder it has to be premeditated. and Well. Oh, it does. For first degree, premeditated murder, and it's not really premeditated. No. If, if you're just if, angry and you're also trying. If you're angry in the heat of the moment. Right, and you're also trying to do... Not just murder, but also suicide. Yeah. If she had got into the car with the intention of killing Imran, then that very much is first degree murder. Right. But she doesn't learn about the things that will make her want to kill Imran until they were already in the car. Correct. So anyway, Leanne bursts in while Spider runs away saying that he can't listen to any of this. Leanne is just as shocked and demands answers. Toya explains that she didn't get in the car with the intention of killing anyone. It wasn't until that he admitted that he'd lied in court and had been caught. She lost her mind for a split second. She didn't care if either of them lived or died and she crashed into that building. And there were so many lies that Imran was telling. Yes. Leanne is furious to learn this on the eve of the trial. 
She's took money out of her business to pay for lawyers, for goodness sake, and reckons that Syrah has lost her only remaining child thanks to Toya, and Alfie has lost his dad. Disgusted, Leanne storms out. And of course she goes to the community garden, and there she's met by Peter. And they get talking about the trial, and Peter reveals that, you know, all that baby Susie stuff, he's forgiven Toya about all of that. And Leanne can't imagine how you would do that, but Peter thinks that Toya's probably the best person that he knows. Lots of Peter this week. Yeah. So Leanne goes back with a new positive spin, insisting that Toya didn't know what she was doing. It was an accident. She didn't mean to kill anyone when she got behind the wheel. This is just guilt talking. But Toya insists that she was driving full of hate, and that makes her responsible. She thanks Leanne for sticking by her, but Spider knows it wasn't an accident and knows that she's guilty. And then we see Spider now. He's the one in the community garden, and he's dinging Toya's calls and looking all conflicted and stuff. Then on Thursday in the community garden, Toya's trying and failing to get a hold of Spider on the phone, but Leanne is more concerned that she's going to say something stupid in court. At the court, her barrister, Meghan Markle, encourages her to tell the truth. Toya goes to get some air, which allows Leanne to express her worries about Toya and her desire to be punished. And she floats the idea of not putting Toya on the stand, which the barrister would go for if Toya is hell-bent on incriminating herself. So Leanne tells Toya about this, telling her that after all of her and all that shite, she's not prepared to let Toya go to prison. And in the court, though, Toya is adamant that she is going to testify. She is loaded into her wee glass box as the judge comes in along with the stereotypically harsh-looking prosecution lady barrister, who I thought was the same barrister that we'd had when... Kelly? When Kelly was getting... Maybe. Or Yasmin. I was annoyed by her hair. Right. The fact that she had these two little tendrils coming out from underneath her wig. That just seems... Dumb. Good point. Well made. <laughs> Thank you. Adam is first up, confirming to the prosecution that he heard Toya tell Leanne that she would kill Imran if he's lying to her again. The defence barrister quickly gets Adam to confirm that it's a figure of speech. So that was worthwhile, Adam. Yeah, total wank. I mean, who doesn't know that that's just a figure of speech? And he makes... He's reluctant to say that he's used that himself. Right, yeah. He's like, well, when I use it, it's a figure of speech. But she was really angry that night. Mm-hmm. Typically, you use that when you're angry. Right. Next up is Kelly, who tells the prosecution that on the day he died, Imran was determined to tell Toy the truth about lying about Abby being a junkie so that he could get his hands on Alfie. During a break, Imran's mum tells Toy that she should have been one who died. And after this, Toya confesses to our barrister about shagging Spider after Imran died. Spider's whereabouts are unknown at this time, but Toya reckons that he's in that London. Let's hope he stays there. Meanwhile, Spider isn't in London. He's in the Alleyway of Doom, telling DS Blondie that he and Toya have split up. And DS Blondie reckons that that must be because of this bombshell, some sort of bombshell revelation. Spider says nothing, but looks like he might be about to spill his guts. So we don't hear him say anything but we don't hear him say nothing correct so it's kind of is he going to tell blondie i don't and know why is blondie still investigating this while if the trial, trial is, going, is on? going on yeah that really kind of confused me mm. why she would even still care she's right that this whole thing is unethical though oh very much so yeah yeah you sh- she would nowhere near this no even even if even if she's not the mark that he's investigating because i'm assuming that it's griff that he's assumed that he's uh you mean the guy the guy who wants to blow up a woman's car yes yeah the racist guy that wants to blow up the the brown woman's car yes Yes. 
<clears throat> Back at court, it's Cyrus' turn on the stand and she tells the prosecution that Toya was winched and spied her and if she had to guess, she'd suggest that this was an affair that had been going on for years and that Toya was plotting to kill Imran. Remarkably, this speculation goes unchallenged, but the defence gets Syrah to admit that Imran hated her and wanted nothing to do with her, which saves the situation somewhat. Right, yeah, she's like, tell me again, did, did, did you attend the wedding? Were, were you there for Alfie's birth? Mm-hmm. Why not? Did your children not cut you out of their lives? Yeah, I'm trying to think of when the last time Imran did see her, and it was probably just after Rana. No, because remember she did, she did turn up. She turned up. Oh no 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 no! That was Alia and Yasmin who wanted him to go to a religious ceremony hmm. with them, and he said, "Well, I'm not really a practicing Muslim." Someone has decided to put Leanne on the stand. <laughs> who knows why? She explains away Adam's evidence, which has already been done, and then explains how lovely Toya is <clears throat> and how she forgave Imran for all his many mistakes and lies and she was going to raise his baby with him. And during another break, Toya is ready to crack and confess and Leanne tells her that despite everything, she still has people who love her and has stuff to fight for. And then Toya's on the stand now, telling her barrister after a suitably dramatic pause and a kickstart from the judge that after the crash, she had no memory of what happened, but now she's sure that they didn't talk about his lies in court and she didn't learn about them until later from the voicemail, which she deleted because it sounded suspicious. But the prosecution focused on the timing, thinking that unlikely because of some ABBA lyrics or something, Toya sticks to her guns, but looks a bit uncertain of herself when she blurts out that she didn't mean to kill Imran. So then the prosecution and the defence wrap up this super quick murder trial that's taken a day all of the evidence is circumstantial, there's no proof of premeditation, and it sounds like there's sufficient reasonable doubt to ensure that Toya isn't guilty, which probably means she'll get sentenced to death. And the jury must be thinking about it, or in other words, scamming a night in the hotel for free. So back home, Toya is resigned to her fate, and thinking again that she deserves it. She killed her man, she says, no matter what the jury decides. And that is how we end this week's episodes. Quite a good trial, that. I enjoyed mm. that. I Too thought, short. I was rushed, right? And, like, there is... no Nobody talks about the evidence of the fact that, you know, there are no skid marks. On Imran's underpants? <laughs> you know, and the... the, uh, the Imran's underpants. Good times. I, I, I can't fantasize about anything else tonight. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still thinking about the throuple. Um, and now I can't remember what I was going to say. There's no skid marks. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's the CCTV footage and everything. Mm-hmm. You'd think somebody would have thought, hey, maybe it would be good to get a psyche valve on Toya for all of this because it kind of, because this would have potentially have killed her as well. And maybe we can get her off for yeah, being. Should be some sort of forensic. Right. Stuff going on as well. This this is very, very, very rushed. Right. And we have some of these as as you kind of pointed out, some of these witnesses are ridiculous. What's Leanne doing? Because she seems to be the only person that the defence calls. Well, apart from Toya. Right. Yeah. So if Toya didn't go in the stand, the defence would be Leanne saying that she's my sister and she's nice right yeah you'd think that other people who knew them as a couple and were 
part of their circle. But that's really got nothing to do with anything. It's what's the frame of mind and the right. lead up to the to the accident. Yes. That's really what's what's at stake here. So really, there are no witnesses besides Toya. No, there aren't. This is why this is all circumstantial because nobody can prove anything. Because right. as Toya says, except you need to ask him that. Except with the forensic evidence, with which proves that she didn't break. She didn't break. And there was nothing wrong with the car. Right. So why did you drive right into a building? Mm-hmm. If well, she could easily said that she was she had turned her head and she was arguing with him. Right. She does perjure herself. Yes. At, at the insistence of Leanne. Right. She says that she didn't hear anything in the car when the one thing that we knew... Is that she did. ...was that she absolutely did. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I... I don't think the storyline has been handled very well. Having like these gaps in it and everything and not having any sort of revelation about what Toya's frame of mind was and why she did it until like the night before the trial. And even that's kind of sketchy because as you pointed out, Imran didn't die in the car crash. No, no, it's like we mentioned last week that, they spent so much time outside of this story giving Toya other things to do in her activism. Remember, was it July that she was stealing bin lorries? I think that was July. So like a couple of months ago, she was, so for that length of time, she's been involved in this kind of activism part of it where this part of her storyline has kind of been forgotten about. And we were right. at the point where... If nobody mentions this, will it not happen? And it just kind of fade away. And is that good for Imran's memory? Mm. We're already a little upset that Imran died not knowing what happened to his sister. Yeah. And, they, they and kinda, other stuff. They kind of make some to do about the fact that he rescued Toya out of the car. Is right, that yeah. something that somebody would do? If, if they were terrified for their life. Right. Right. It's The, the way they let Imran's mom just kind of Go off, go on and on about she, speculation about how Emron felt in the car not, and how of, he must have been terrified. Not anything that she said should have been admissible, admissible at all. No, she actually shrugs her shoulders and says, "Well, I don't know." At some point, I guess so. Right. Well, we, we need to be dealing with a little bit more than shrugging your shoulders, and I guess so. Here, my dear. Yes. Ugh. I do think, though, that the Toya and Leanne stuff was a bit of a highlight of the week. <clears throat> I kind of feel like Nick should have been there, though. Nick wasn't there for his own grand's party the other week. <laughs> well, he had the cold, remember? So, yes. He has been trying to deal with that terribly heavy cold that he had that one day. Right. So, I suppose. Eh, it never makes sense who shows up to these things and who doesn't. Never. No. Ever, ever, ever. But yeah, it just, it feels like, again, it kind of feels like they painted themselves into a corner and weren't quite sure how to get out of it. And then just rush it. Right. So much. I mean. And then add this whole spider thing onto it. Because even. Because yeah. I like the spider stuff. Don't get me wrong. I like the spider stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that he's this undercover cop and he's trying to get this, you know, racist environmentalist <laughs> off the street. Right. But, and and I think, I think it's, 
I think people like him and Toya getting back together. I think that kind of triggers the whole member berries in everyone's oh, minds. Everyone's member berries are tingling at that, yeah. Right. But to kind of combine it with the whole Toya killing Imran thing. It makes it a bit messy, doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. It does. It's like it's like Kelly marrying Addie and also Sharon coming back for reasons. Mm. Sort of gets muddy. Yeah. They gave the trial like half of one episode for supposed murder. Right. Yasmin got two or three days. Right. For hers. And that felt like it was a bit more. And geez, Sally, who didn't even kill anybody, that went on forever. So, yeah, so they've paced these things better in the past. My only experience of being on on a jury and having a any experience of a criminal trial was for assault when I lived in Alloa and I was on the jury and that lasted for four days for for just assault. And I bet it was awful. Was it awful? Oh, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, that was great. You sit reading a book for the longest time because any time that they're talking about legal precedent and right. stuff like that, you're back in your jury room right so we were there for eight hours a day and we were probably in the trial for maybe two hours a day and then we had a hour and a bit for lunch and we're sitting about reading our books and chit-chatting because you can't be like on social media or anything like that you weren't allowed to do any of that and we weren't allowed to talk about it people talked about it of course they did but you weren't supposed to talk about it until the end right people had made up their minds before the end of course but um no, so that was just for an assault, and yeah. that was four days, and this is done in basically an afternoon. Right. Yeah. <sighs> so it's Not kinda, a great optic. Kind of rushed. I right, because they want to move on to other storylines, and I think they also want to move on with the whole spider well, thing. Uh, but this is the this is the, the the complaint is that this is Toya's big story. Why should it be rushed like this? It right. should be given the time that it deserves, and, and I don't it feel becomes, like it has got that and it becomes not toya's big story but more spider's big story yeah and coronation street's getting a little bit of a, a reputation here for taking stories off of people right especially women hmm. oh well that was the week that was coronation street what was your moment of the week what was your moment of the week i think it was leanne and toya and i think their uh, their chats probably on on thursday about how I'm here for you, and mm-hmm. and you don't think that you have anything. Well, you've you've got me, and and Leanne, despite knowing the truth now, right, is absolutely all in and on Toya's side, and I yeah. thought that was kind of lovely. Yeah, I w- I can go for that. Yeah, well, it was an easy sell. That is our moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Is it Sean's kimono, <laughs> and 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 Eileen calling it a house coat? No, it was funny. So the cucarachas? <laughs> no, no, that was that funny was as hilarious. well. Hilarious. That was funny as well. Uh, is it? Is it? Is it? Sam? Is it Sam getting shut down about chess? I think it's something to do with Sam. I think it's Sam trying to be cool. Is probably. That's probably the, yeah. the boring moment. Sorry, dude, but I have to agree with that. Yeah. That's a boring moment of the boring week. moment of the week. All right then. We will wrap this one up 
at that, and I guess we'll be back next week with however many episodes we're, <laughs> Who knows? we're, we're given in the meantime. Who knows? If you have any ideas of how many episodes we'll have in the meantime, why don't you please drop us and ITV a line. You can get a hold of us at thetalkofthestreet@gmail.com, and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash thetalkofthestreet. Check out the clicky-clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more... Out of the street. The top of the street. Bye. Cheerio.